So what we're uh, picking up, uh, we're, we're really where we're at is the disciples are in the upper room in Jerusalem. They're waiting as the Lord sent them uh, for the Holy Spirit. And uh, they are in one accord, we're going to see, uh, in one place. So they're all meeting, and uh, we uh, will learn th as we go through what God does uh, while they're there. But uh, it's it's interesting to look at the study when we consider even verse 1. So uh, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. So speaking of the day of uh, Pentecost, so we understand what it is. It's a celebration of the uh, Feast of Weeks, and it celebrated the end of the grain harvest, and it was out of gratitude to God for his provision. So it would be seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath. And Pentecost itself, that word, is a Greek word meaning 50 or 50th. So when it says here that when the day had, had fully come, it would account for 50 days uh, after uh, Christ had resurrected. And uh, when we're looking at what's happening, it says 50 days, it would be 50 days uh, looking into the Old Testament where uh, Pentecost was set up in Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16. It says, and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer a, grain, a new grain offering to the Lord. So 50 days later, what we're looking at here is a celebration that was taking place. Now, on that 50th day uh, is, is what takes place as we go further. So we understand 50 days. Christ was with uh, the disciples for 40 days, and this happens 10 days later after his ascension. Uh, is what, what takes place here is, is uh, uh, 50 days after uh, so when we're looking, they're in Jerusalem and they're waiting. They're waiting in obedience to the Lord. It's a hard thing to do with all that they've been through, all they had seen. Uh, they had, uh, they, Jesus isn't with them anymore. He isn't physically with them. So they have to wait obediently as he said. And uh, that probably took a lot based on what they had witnessed. What they In the conversation, remember, uh, at the end of John, they're having uh, fish breakfast with Jesus. And Jesus is speaking to them. He's teaching them. And then we looked into, into Acts, and he's, he's still speaking with them. He's preparing them uh, for, to receive the Holy Spirit. So when this is talking about the, the day of Pentecost that had fully come, we understand that these guys had been waiting for 10 more days, 10 days sitting there instead of being out doing stuff. We talked about it last week, but when they got kind of, when things were settling down and everything, what did Peter do? I'm going fishing and everybody goes with him. What happened then? They go out and, and uh, as they're out there, uh, Jesus is on the shore talking to them and they have this miraculous 153 fish catch that they can't even pull in, you know, drag in. Peter had to go by himself. We know a rugged guy, rugged fisherman, and drag them all up uh, when they got close to, uh, enough to shore. Peter went and dragged it up there. So that, that's what happened last time they were waiting. Now they're sitting and they're waiting. And it says that they were all in one accord with one place. What we're witnessing and what we're going to read is the beginning of the gospel era. It's the birth of the New Testament church. They were in one accord praying. There's something to be said about assembling 
in the name of Christ. Jesus himself said, Matthew 18, verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Two or three. That, do you know what that means? That means that we can come to this church and not even realize. You ever thought about that? How many times we've come in here where two or more are gathered in his name and not realize that Jesus Christ is here with us? He's here right now. That's God. God. That's uh. You ever got to the point where you're like, no, God, God's God's done with me. <laughs> God's done, but He's given me way too many second chances. I'm on like my umpteenth million chance. There's no way God wants to still work in me. No, no way that that I haven't done enough that He won't have anything to do with me. Then we come to church. Then we come to church. And we're amongst brothers and sisters, getting sharpened, praying together, singing. We're worshiping the Lord together, lifting our voices, singing to him. Then we spend time worshiping him by being in the word, spending time in his word. As he's speaking to her, there's something amazing that happens. Why? Because he's here with us. That's why when we're gathered in his name. Hebrews 10, 25, 10, 24, and 25 going to be a very familiar verse uh, to many of you that have been here. Verse 24 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Do we see the day approaching? We're 2,000 years closer to that day than they were when, the, when this was written by Luke or Paul, depends on you know who you believe wrote it. Most it's Luke or Paul. Two thousand years, it's a long time. We may have uh, those that say, "Wow, you guys are still meeting in church two thousand years. Where's Jesus? He's not slack concerning his promise." Peter said, "You know, the Lord is doing His work, and He will come. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." God, God's not on our clock. A thousand years are as a day, and a day is a thousand years to the. This is just a couple days, <laughs> right? Think about it. I don't know about you guys, but I remember when I was a kid going to school, you know, fifth grade, and I'm like, someday I'll be in high school. And that's a million years away, right? It feels like that. What happens when we become adults and now we're working? And what about when you become parents, right? When you become parents. My youngest is 14 years old. <laughs> My oldest is a senior in college now. I, I, I still feel like I'm 25. It was 18 years ago. I was 25, but it's crazy, right? We understand how fast our lives go. A thousand years as a day? Day is a thousand years? Can't forsake the gathering together. We cannot do that. There's a, there's a popular, um, popular saying and a popular thing that I've heard several times. So I can... Worship God by myself walking in the woods. Absolutely you can, and I wholeheartedly, like, go do it. Grab your Bible, hike a, hike a mountain, go sit by the water, go sit in a, at a park, and be out in God's creation, right? God's creation is better than any church you're ever going to walk into. There are living beings flying around you, hopefully not stinging you or whatever, but you can hear the birds, right? You hear the birds, and you see these, these squirrels that can jump from tree to tree, and you think... There's no way this happened by accident. Absolutely no way. It's, it, all these things were created by a loving God. Yes, worship him while you're out there and be in wonder of who he is and, and what he can do and what he has done. 
But there's something to be said about believers gathering together. We have to gather together regularly, right? Not forsaking the assembling ourselves uh, together. Not forsaking it. It's easy to forsake it. All we got to do is just not go. This is not a church growth speech at all. This is a Christian, like in our walk, as if we want to grow in the Lord, this is what the scriptures say. If this church stays this size, I pray the Lord saves so many more other people that it does grow. It's not about being here in numbers. I've never counted, I never will count the number of people sitting in these seats. Never will. That's The Lord does what he wants to do. There are times where we've met here and we've had, during COVID, I remember coming here and teaching and there, were, there was nobody here. I had to fill in for Will, and I didn't even know what to do. I was standing here, and I was acting like I was talking to people. I don't know why I did that, right? I still don't know why I did that. I don't know why I didn't just say, hey, guys, there's nobody here, so I'm just going to talk. I don't, I just didn't know what to do. Maybe it was to encourage people. I don't, I don't know what it was. But there's something to be said about gathering together. It was, it was important enough for Jesus to say, hey, when you guys are gathered together, I'm with you. And then the writer of Hebrews is say, don't forsake the gathering together. What does he say about it? As is the manner of some, but exhort one another. And if you look at verse 24, it says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. How do we consider anybody if we're not around anybody? That's how we, we learn selflessness. We, we learn love as we get together and serving. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So as they're togethered in God's name, and they're in one place, they're there. They're praying. They're seeking the Lord's face as we studied last week. They're not just sitting there like staring at each other, having staring contests. They're, they're praying. And they're using that time as they're there to seek the Lord's face. And they're asking, no doubt for boldness, no doubt for direction. Lord, you said the Holy Spirit's going to come praying. You know, those things, you know, those are all assumptions, but we can know that the Lord was, was working in them. And, and as their hearts are being stirred, they're praying. So as they're, they're gathered here, there's a sound from heaven. It's a sound. There's no wind. It's a sound as of a mighty wind. It doesn't say there was a mighty wind that came in. It was a sound like a mighty wind. And it says, as of a rushing mighty wind, it filled the house where they were sitting. What we're reading of is a powerful display of the Spirit of God. In Old Testament, you, uh, you'll remember uh, that uh, when the Lord would meet, he would meet with them in a cloud. You know, remember when he met with Moses in the burning bush, right? That, that, uh, that they, he, would, he would meet in, in, a, uh, very, in a miraculous way with them. You know, you could consider uh, up on the mountain while Moses is getting the uh, the law, you know, and there's like clouds and thunder and lightning. Powerful. Everybody was too afraid to even look like look up the mountain. I'm not going up there. That's when you consider who he is, that, that type of thing is happening. There's a, 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 a mighty sound coming from heaven as though it's a mighty wind. 
Now the word here in, in the Greek is prone, and it means breath. It's a respiration, a breath, uh, uh, or a breeze, or a breathe, or wind, uh, a breath or wind. Sorry. So God's breath is flowing through. Is what's happening. That that God is breathing. <clears throat> Consider Adam and Eve, where life came from. Those he breathed the breath of life into Adam and Eve. He's breathing life into the church. He's breathing his spirit into the church. It says that divided tongues as of fire once sat upon uh, each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus breathed on the disciples, and they had uh, the spirit indwelling in them already. Now they're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon them. And we discussed the Greek words, uh, para and an epi, that the Lord would be with us and lead us. So in, in a personal conversion, that the Lord would lead us to him. Once we've accepted him, then he's en, in us. And then epi is that pouring out upon, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, we'll, we'll look into uh, the verses, what that, what that means here as, as we go through. But just remember those three things that... Uh, just even having a discussion with a brother this morning saying, you know what, I've, I've felt the Lord working in my life all my life, that he's been drawing me all my life, recently saved, recently saved. And now the spirit dwelling within him is building him, is strengthening him. That power from on high is that 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 uh, as the Lord is leading him and, and is going to uh, fill him and, and empower him and to overflowing that we would be used for ministry. So what we see here is these disciples were already indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and now the Spirit is being poured out upon them. Those around them are experiencing the same things, but simultaneously. They're being filled with the Holy Spirit personally, but also the Spirit is being poured out upon them, is what we see here. And it says that they were speaking in, uh, in, in tongues, and that means uh, the, the, the Greek word here is glossa. And it refers to a physical tongue or language. The NIV, if you have an NIV Bible, it says other languages. They're speaking languages. They're not just babbling words that don't make any sense. They're actually, as the Spirit is being poured upon them, and as they were given utterance, they're speaking the wonderful works of God. That everybody in this room is, is packed in, 120 of them, right? They're all packed in this room, and they're, they're speaking the wonderful works of God. Remember what Jesus said when he said that they would be given power from on high, and that, and that that power would be used that they would be able to minister. So they're up there, and they're just praising God. This isn't just craziness that's happening up there. Each person is speaking in a language that they don't normally speak. So when we, when we get to that, we're going to see how it ministers to everybody who's hearing outside the walls, outside the windows. Like what is going on? They're trying to figure it all out. So when we're considering languages, tongues, it's a sign to unbelievers, and, and we'll get into that. Corinthians, uh, when uh, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, the Corinthians had become more focused on the gift than on the giver of the gift. And things were out of whack in, in Corinthians. There's a lot of correction in, in his letter to the Corinthians, the first one. And you see the correction, and there's correction in the second one. But, but he's setting in order things that, that need to be uh, 
set in order, things that have kind of gotten out of control. Now, if we consider uh, the church today, there are um, uh, we you would look at this church and a lot of people would say this is not a Pentecostal church. It is. This is that we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this church. Uh, but there is something to be said. There's charisma that we can have for the Lord. And then there's something. There was a book Chuck Smith wrote, Char uh, Charisma versus Charismania, where things just get way out of hand at church. And the, the, the focus becomes the gift. The focus becomes what was given instead of the focus being the Lord. That's the problem. That's, that's where things get wrong is when the, the focus isn't on God. It's more on what's church going to be like today? How am I going to get stirred up? What, what's going to happen here to, to blow my mind today? Paul had to tell them, wait a minute, this, 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 and this. This all needs to be set in order. And at the end of 1 Corinthians uh, 14, he says, let everything be done decently and in order. Decently and in order. So there isn't a bunch of crazy because he's saying everybody's got something to say. Everybody's got this and that. And he, what he's trying to say is, guys, and he sets in order. We won't read the whole thing, but uh, we'll, we'll get there. So if you want to turn a couple minutes to turn ahead while I'm still talking, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 14. So God had definitely done something amazing here. Some believe that the gift of tongues is no longer to be used, that, that God doesn't give anybody the gift of tongues anymore. It's called a cessationist, that that, that that was for a time, and he no longer does that. But then you hear accounts of people going and ministering in other countries, and they're speaking, and they're like, well, how did you know? Like modern-day story, how did you know that? I don't know. God spoke to me and through me. I just encourage us to not put God in a box. <laughs> there are things in the scripture that are very clear to us. But for us to say, no, the Holy Spirit can't minister, you know, that, be careful. There are a lot of gifts that God can give. And as I was listening to one of my favorite pastors um, uh, regarding this passage, Joe Foch down of Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, he was describing that there are some amazing gifts in the church that aren't really considered gifts by most. And I was talking with a few brothers uh, this morning, uh, in a, uh, right after a prayer meeting, and, and uh, the gift of helps. <laughs> Not necessarily a glorified one. The gift of helps. What does that mean? The one that's ready to roll up the sleeves and grab the trash can when things are rolling out and pouring out of the bottom of it. You know, or to grab a to grab a broom and start sweeping, vacuuming. God gives us all gifts. We all have something to offer the body, something. But a gift like the the gift of helps, that's not one people are crawling over one another to try to pray for usually, right? Oftentimes it can be out of laziness or whatever, but uh, but some things that might draw attention. Oh yeah, I'm after that one. <laughs> God, give me this, the, the gift of tongues so that all can see me. You know, that, that's a dangerous place to be. Oh, the gift of helps. How about the gift of administration? Order, <laughs> right? You guys ever walked into an office that looks like a grenade just got dropped in there, papers everywhere? I was like that before. You know, I've, I've, been, I've been in that spot before. You know, in my old job as a, as a 
recruiting superintendent for 18, well, that wasn't for 18 years, it was my last eight years. And there were times where, I, I, and I was also a, a health professions and special categories recruiter at the same time. And I've got my stuff here and I got everybody else's stuff here. And I'm like, it looks like a grenade went off in here because it pretty much did, right? There was a lot going on. <clears throat> that gift of administration, being able to keep things in order, to rightly care for what's happening, what's here, and to make sure that, that as things are happening, it's not just chaos. That's a gift from God. There are a lot of gifts from God, but for some reason, there are some that get more attention than others. 1 Corinthians, if you're, if you're there, 14, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Verses 1 through 4, he says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So Paul, what he's saying here is like, hey, you guys all want this? Pray for prophecy. He says in, in, in verse 18, if you skip to verse 18, Paul, after a very pointed address, says in verse 18 and 19, he says, I thank my God, I, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul's saying, hey, this is great. The, the gift of tongues is great. You can pray and you can talk to the Lord. And we're not going to understand what we're saying. It's just the Lord, the Spirit giving utterance, right? The, the, the Spirit making uh, just an intercession for us. First Corinthians. Actually, I just heard Joe. Um, I was listening uh, more this morning. And he was talking about this woman who was praying in tongues by herself. And a religious leader, and I can't remember um, from what background but Christian uh, Christian religious leader walked by and he's like a Greek Orthodox. And he, he stops, he goes, where did you learn that prayer? She said, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just praying. And she said that he told her that that's a prayer that pre uh, Greek Orthodox priests are, are trained in. And she had no idea what she's, what she was praying. No idea. Grabbed her his attention. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 14, moving forward a little bit more, verses 22 and 23. says, Therefore, tongues are a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak in tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Like, what is going on here? I don't, I don't know. People are just saying things and I don't understand it. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. You know that he wants to say, and none of you will grab the trash, right? <clears throat> Let all these things be done for edification. Edification, the building up of others. If another one, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. 
But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Remember, when they received the Holy Spirit, they were speaking of the, they weren't like walking up to people and finding them out going, oh, you, this is, they were just speaking. And as they're speaking in here, what we're going to see is that all around them heard and they're like, these guys don't know our language. And they, they hear somebody speaking of the, the wonderful works of God. The last uh, verse I have for us to, uh, to look at from Corinthians is actually Corinthians 13, uh, verses 1 through, th through 3. Paul says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. The greatest thing we should be desiring from the Holy Spirit is love, the love of God. These are all great things, prophesying, uh, of of praying to the Lord in a different tongue that he would uh, that would be our our own pro prayer language to praise him. Those are wonderful things. Not saying they're not, but if we're not asking God for His love, what is our motive behind these other things? Do we want to be noticed? Do we want to be the main attraction? Do we want to be the one that people would look to? Right? Remember when Jesus corrected and he spoke about the religious leaders, the ones that love to stand on the corners and get the praise and come in and see uh, you know, the good seats at uh, weddings or whatever was happening. Is that the desire? But if we pray for the love of God to be poured out in our hearts, he's going to answer that prayer. God, give me more of your love. Can you imagine a loving father saying no? <laughs> right? And remember when Jesus talked about, the, about us being evil giving our kids we're not if they ask us for a bread and, and he's like we're not going to give them a stone right he's like you're not going to give your kid a scorpion he's talking about all these things no if we being evil know how to give good gifts consider what god does and if we want something from the lord ask for his love what we see happening here is what jesus spoke of in acts chapter one so we can turn back to acts chapter 2 and but what we see happening here is what he spoke of in Acts 1 verse 8 he says but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and so what's happening here is Jerusalem they're in Jerusalem gathered and as this happens they become witnesses just by proclaiming the good things of God. They're just praising God by themselves. And we'll see here that those around them hear it. This is what's happening. Well, this is what Jesus promised. They were speaking the wonderful works of God. <clears throat> An encouragement to you. I heard this from Chuck Smith listening to his, his teachings. Where God guides, he provides. Jesus Christ told them, go there and stay there and wait for the Holy Spirit. And as they did, he provided the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They were blessed. They were filled to overflowing, and they're in there speaking the wonderful things of God. When Jesus did that, he's talking about that you will receive, uh, he said, but you shall receive power 
from the Holy Spirit. This, the, the Spirit is the source of the power in our lives. For churches today, much of the church is focused on numbers. They're focused on, uh, we've got to get uh, so many people. Don't get me wrong. It is a good thing to want to minister and for people to be saved. That, that's a wonderful thing, but not to the compromise of the gospel. We can't compromise the word of God to reach those people. We can't. We can't try to steal God's glory. There can't be a focus of, okay, what we need to do is we need to do market research. So once we do market research, now we've got all the world's intel. And the world's telling us we need this, this, and this. We need purple lighting, pink lighting. Sometimes it goes in. And we get the smoke machine. And we get all these things so that it's a production. We don't need those things. The word of God is sufficient. God does the work. What we're going to see here is God saves 3,000. I don't know if we'll get all the way through it today. 3,000 people. Their souls are saved because of the preaching of the word. They didn't have anything crazy happening. It was the, hey, these guys are drunk. These guys are just drunk on new wine or something, and Peter has to set it straight. And then he goes and he gives just a sermon, just a base, very basic sermon. He teaches them. They have a Bible study. 3,000 people get saved. The word of God is sufficient. It, it goes out and accomplishes what he wants. It doesn't come back to him void. That's what Isaiah tells us. Isaiah 55. The word of God is sufficient. Interesting regarding the spirit in the church today. A.W. Tozer, you may be familiar with him. There's a very popular quote from him. It says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. That right there, if it doesn't make us think, 95% would just keep going. Oh, we just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. We got to keep the, the band going and keep going here and there. 95, that, that's a powerful quote. That is, Holy Spirit is what we need. Holy Spirit's going to lead us to the word of God and teach us. There's nothing else we need. It's nice to have a building, warmer and cooler when it's hot, right? It's nice to have these things that we have here. But... If we just walking around, we got the spirit in us and the word in our hand, God's going to use us still. Can't be like, oh, man, I don't have my wagon behind me of the, the show I need to put on. You got your pop-up tent and you got all these things and then people can come in. Then they can be ministered to. No, it's just the word. It's very simple. How was everybody, everybody's lives changed in the, in the New Testament church? The word of God. Love it. Makes things very easy. Very easy. So the disciples had witnessed the end of Jesus' earthly, earthly ministry during the, the Last Supper. Now they were witnessing the birth of the New Testament church, with the Holy Spirit being poured out upon believers. Verse 5. And there, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They had all come for the Feast of Pentecost to celebrate. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. 
Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Ferga and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? What could this mean? They're all confused because they're hearing the wonderful works of God in their own language where they were born. Now, these Jews, would, they would have been speaking Aramaic. So they're like, wait a minute, these guys are from Galilee. What's going on? Maybe Hebrew? I, I can understand if they were speaking in Hebrew, Aramaic, I get it, but they're speaking the language that I grew up learning. How is that? They're all from Galilee. And they're all confused, and they're trying to figure this all out. And they're saying that they hear it in their own language where they were born. We know that wasn't the case. How did that happen? They had received the Holy Spirit, and what were they doing? Praising God. When they heard the good things of, of, of the goodness of God coming from these people, they're like, it, it would be like us just, well, English, like the whole world learns English. I, I remember we were stationed in Italy. I, I went to um, uh, a small group of us uh, from our church over there, Aviano Baptist Church, uh, went down to Croatia, uh, ministering to Bosnian refugee families that were uh, all living in one building. I was absolutely blown away by the fact that these kids could speak three, four, five languages. Kids, we're lucky if we can get through Spanish one. Took me two years, right? These, these kids are brought up learning other languages. There was one kid, Marto. He, could, he was fluent in three different languages. And all he wanted to do is, he's like, I want to be a waiter. I want to be a waiter. And he knew his native language, and he knew Italian, and he knew English. I'm just like, oh, man, blown away. For me to go there and go, wow, these people, can you, like, imagine imagine being like one of these people that had, had been in the upper room, and you're like, I don't speak Croatian. I don't know. I was just, the Spirit was giving me utterance, and I was saying what was burning in my heart to say. There's no way other way to explain it but the Spirit of God stirring the heart and speaking to and through us. It's, it's a, a miracle had happened. So they're, they're all uh, sitting there, and these are devout men, and it's going to be in verse 13. They're all going to be accused of being drunk, and Peter sets that straight. It says they're from every nation, and it, it lists 15 different nations. So everyone heard the noise, and it drew them in. And the, what they hear is the words in their own language of the wonderful works of God. So... You see that these people have been brought here, and they have their 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 own native tongue that they're that they're used to, and they're hearing these things. And I can't help but but realize that God met them where they were at and spoke to them so that they would understand. Doesn't He do that for us? He meets us where we're at. For some of us, that means uh, that uh, some of us have been to a point of complete desperation. 
I need to hear from God in this spot. And, and other, others of us could be just kind of living a great, you know, uh, normal life with uh, some pretty strong morals, but we're not walking with the Lord and the Lord meets us right there. He could meet us. And I, I, I know brothers and sisters and I know in, in, in my heart of just a, a point of, yeah, I think I'm good enough. I think I got it. I, you know, good outweighs the bad. Hopefully he's going to be good enough. And the Lord meets me and goes, nope, you're not. <laughs> you're not. Nobody is. We can't approach him based on our goodness. You know, we may have found ourselves in a ditch, physically or spiritually. And the Lord meets us where we're at and can speak to our hearts in a way that we're going to understand. That's what he does. He speaks to them and they understand what's happening. They they're like they're they're they understand what he's saying, but they're like what what's going on here? Why am I hearing of the wonderful works of God? Uh, what's how what's all this going on? We heard this this sound, and we hear everybody praising God, but what what is it? What's what's really going on here? What's going on is a fulfillment of what Jesus said in John sixteen and Luke twenty four and in Acts chapter one. John sixteen seven, Jesus said, "Nevertheless, I tell you the truth." It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus had to go away that the, that the helper, the Holy Spirit, would come. Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus said, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 again. I know we read it before. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So they're asking. They're trying to figure all these out. What we can look at as the church, as the church is understand they're receiving the Holy Spirit as Jesus told them to. They were where they were supposed to be, and they were doing what they should have been doing, seeking the Lord. Okay, God's told us to go to this room and wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't know what that means, but Jesus told us to, so we're going to get together and we're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord's face. And look what happens. As they're gathered together in his name, this, this happens, and they're proclaiming the wonderful works of God, and all those around them are hearing it, and they're trying to figure out what's happening. These people don't speak my language. Why are they speaking my language? It's drawing them in. Now understand, when it comes to spiritual things, we should be prepared for those that are going to accept what we have to say and those that are going to reject what we have to say going to say you guys are out of your minds maybe <laughs> maybe you know i was out of my mind before so yes i'm out of that wrongness of mind and god has restored my mind you know god does the thing like we talked about last week the word where they said of the church that they had turned the world upside down yeah now i'm thinking straight so yeah if you want to consider it that way in the eyes of this world i'm out of my mind but i'm following the lord There are going to be some that listen, some that will hear and say, wait a minute, I hear the works of God. I want to know more. And then we're going to hear, like it says here in verse 13, those that are going to mock. Verse 13, others mocking said they are full of new wine. But Peter 
standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. So those that were mocking, Peter stands up. Peter, recently restored by the Lord to ministry, restored his relationship with the Lord. God, God heals his heart and speaks to him. Peter, do you love me? Ask him that three times, right? And he gives him the command, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Take care of them. You're, you're restored, Peter. I know you failed me and you denied me three times. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restore you three times in front of your brothers that are right here publicly. Now restore my relationship so they don't wonder and you no longer wonder, right? That's what Jesus didn't say that, but that's what ended up happening is that he was restored privately and publicly at the same time. And he's restored to ministry. So what is Peter, the one that had denied the Lord three times and was afraid to associate himself with Jesus Christ? Now he is, he's standing here. He says, standing up with the eleven. Now he's raising his voice. Now we may consider somebody's yelling and everything. No, he's standing up, getting everybody's attention. He had gone from denying the Lord and being afraid to being associated. Now he's standing up because he now is the Holy Spirit that has been poured out upon him so that he can do his ministry. So he stands boldly by the power of the Spirit. And he's no longer hiding, and he's commanding that they learn from him and heed what he has to say. And then he says, these guys aren't, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Yes, it's possibly drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's not normal, but it is possible, right? It's possible. Somebody's just right in bondage to that. You know, having <clears throat> having lost my sister to alcoholism, my heart breaks when I hear of that. It's hard. It's hard to think that that that, and, and that's what sin does, right? It wants to take over our lives and bring us destruction. You know, at having you know the experience of working at college, at <laughs> the college. What's you know when kids think of college, I can get away from mom and dad and I can party. You know, and, and what is elevated most? Alcohol, partying. Springs emptiness. It's for another study. But Peter's saying, guys, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Everybody up there isn't drunk. <laughs> if they're drunk, they're probably not just yelling the wonderful praises of God, right? Usually, I'm speaking from my stupidity when I was young and uh, under the influence of alcohol, I wasn't usually saying stuff that I should. Right, we're not usually doing good things and saying good things, and you know, I, I love it. I listened to Ken Graves once, and he's like, "When's that time? Last time you ever heard somebody getting drunk and just going and blessing somebody? Hey, I'm here to mow your lawn. No, please don't <laughs> lose a appendage. <clears throat> don't need those things." Peter, Peter, saying, "No, there's something different going on here." Verse. 16 says, but this is what was spoken of the prophet by uh, of the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass. He's, he's quoting Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out, uh, pour out of my spirit uh, on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams on my Men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit 
in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter's explaining what God spoke of through the prophet Joel, and this is a, a near fulfillment. This is the beginning of that prophecy being fulfilled. There's more to come uh, that we'll study as we go through. It's a near fulfillment. The complete fulfillment will come at the end of the days, and we've talked about that. We're closer now, but the, the, the literal end of days. Uh, when when things are at the end, when we're 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 right there, and and you can look at, at what's happening in our world on the news. Uh, you can look at at things that we experience in our lives today. Uh, when you start looking at 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 just when you're clicking on the news, and you're like, oh, there's wars and rumors of wars everywhere, and there are earthquakes in various places, and uh, there's all kinds of stuff the the end times speaks of. That the, the scriptures speak of in end times. When those things are starting to go, guys, Jesus can come back at any moment. But he can come back at any moment. You know, some believe that he's going to come back before the, the, the and, and that's our church uh, stance here is that the, the rapture will come, that Jesus will come for his church uh, before uh, the wrath is poured out on the earth. Some believe that it's going to be mid-tribulation, that that uh, that their, the church will be taken out in the middle of the three and a half years. And some believe that it's after. Whole different discussion. But what Peter is talking about here is this is the beginning of what God said he was going to do when he spoke through, through Joel of the Holy Spirit being poured out. His spirit being poured out. Now, if you look at verse uh, at, at the end of what he says in verse 21, it says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That they shall be saved. Whoever. You know, Peter's describing the Holy Spirit now being poured out as promised. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord. A warning for any of us, if anybody has to clarify who can be saved and who can question John chapter 3, verse 16, uh, arguably the, the most known uh, New Testament verse uh, by Christians and some un people that are not Christians, John 3, 16 is, uh, might be the most popular New Testament verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, Right? When we try to start clarifying the whosoever's are, stop the conversation. Okay? When when Jesus says whoever, whoever, if there's the the uh, if we start getting into okay, now I need to break out my chart and I'm going to break down who that really meant. Whoever, I'm going to take Jesus's word every single time. Okay? And and the encouragement to all of you, and, and to myself included, is when we have to tinker with the words of Christ so that they align with what we're trying to say, I automatically shut down. Shut down. Jesus said, whoever. And when we can look at what Peter said, he's not willing that any should perish. Not willing that some, the elect, yes, the, the Bible speaks of, and we've gone through this, uh, of, of a predestination. It speaks of all those things. And uh, I, I, again, I'm getting into all kinds of different Bible studies, and we got like three minutes left. So I don't mean to do that to you. 
But when, when this ends here, what Peter is saying here is come to that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That was Joel, an Old Testament prophet, saying that. Whoever. Notice he didn't just say the Jews, the Hebrews. That was prophetic that even the, the Greeks, the Gentiles, were going to come to faith. Whoever hears. That's a powerful thing to consider, whoever. I don't want to, but we need to stop here in verse 22. Because then, as Peter has everybody's attention, he dives in even more. Says some stuff that aren't easy for them to hear. Some things that are pleasing to the ear. Some things that's gonna, that are going to pierce their heart. But it's all truth. These men and women were gathered in the name of Christ. And they were waiting. They were praying. And as they were waiting... They received the Holy Spirit as Jesus said he was going to come. And what we are reading, what we're seeing here, is the birth of the New Testament church, which we're a part of. These, this is like church roots 101, right? When you're in college, you got the, the first thing. This is, this is where things start. And how did it build? How did, it, how did all this happen? Everybody got together and uh, did everything that they knew to do best? No, they all just fell on their faces. And they're just lifting prayers and supplications to God. And as they were there, obediently, God comes and, and ministers to them and empowers them. And what, are their, what they do is just praise his name. As they're lifting praises, it's affecting everybody around them. And it's drawing them in. And Peter's saying, there's something greater happening here. And next week, we'll get into what he has to say to them. But if we're looking for God to work in and through our lives, the way to, to get that is just to be on our faces, to be in fellowship, to be in the word. Really simple. I love that. I love those ingredients because I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist. You know, I'm not going to sit there, right, and put all these things together and, you know, like, oh, I'm going to figure this all out. No, I love that God just says, do these basic things. And this is what's going to happen. And he works and he fills us. He wants to use us. Just as we continue to gather together, and we're, we're going to even study more of gathering together next week. But, but there, there was nothing magical. They didn't have to grab the potion. They didn't have to say the, 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 the things that religion will tell you you need to do, that you need to climb to get to a point uh, where you can now reach God, the false religions of this world. No, God meets us where we're at and changes us. Amen? Would you all stand with me and we'll pray? Oh, Lord, thank you that you save us. You give us your spirit. That we have brothers and sisters to meet with. That we can praise you, that we can pray and be comfortable. Especially in this culture, those things are publicly are not uh, seen as normal. But God, we pray, Lord, that you would fill us anew, Lord, to overflowing. That what we say and what we do would glorify you and speak of your wonderful works. That it would draw those around us to you. It wouldn't give us glory or give us attention or anything like that, but any, any uh, type of attention we get where they're mindful of what we have to say, that we would be leading them to you. 
We pray that your spirit would continue to just have your way in us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace to you all. Have a great rest of your day.